Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. We're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of the grand design some people say is even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside this gentle world. Hello, everybody. Ah, ah. exciting. Hey, it's the Ross Family Matters Podcast, episode 51. We appreciate you uh, listening as we are on the second half of our journey towards 100 now. Um, it's Hotshot Scott Williams, Vic Stick Ross, Jiggy Jack Spade, and our very, very special guest. You heard him a little bit last week. He was in the neighborhood. He popped by. He wanted to check out what we do. He liked it. Wanted to come back and be a guest. Jared Jack. Swag man, you've been a lot of different things. I know you as Jared, and I've known you for 20-some years, man. Thanks for coming down. Ah, ah, I loved that dude one time. What's up, y'all? <laughs> hey, you know what? It's, it's great to be here. It's great to be here with you. Uh, we want our fans to find out a little bit more about you and your journey. So, oh, my journey. I always talk oh. about, you know, we had one of your really be- good friends, your best friends from way back. Mace Morgan was on about five weeks ago, five shows ago. And uh, I've known you guys equally as long, but can you tell everybody about what made you decide, at what point in your life you decided, yeah, I want to get in that wrestling thing. I'm going to give it a shot. It's going to sound corny as hell when I was like six. Okay. Six years old. I was uh, I was kind of a, you know, I was a hyper kid, you know, I was always running around the house, you know, so I guess my mom needed something for me to watch so one day she popped on this cartoon and it was Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, oh boy. So, you know, here comes Hulk Hogan walking down the aisle, you know, he's smacking his arms and stuff. And I told my mom, I was like, I wanna see that. And she didn't get what I was saying at first. She was like, What do you mean you wanna see I mean I wanna see that. Yeah. Oh she wanna Oh then she put two and two yeah okay he wants to see the live action. Right, right because you were watching that. So why are you telling her you want to see it? Yeah. Yeah. So she puts two and two together, and uh, I guess a Saturday night's main event came on, and then I saw for the first time the British Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation. Okay. And I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. Like, the Dynamite Kid was the first guy I ever emulated in my bedroom. It was funny. I had a pair of sky blue uh, pajamas. I had some black shirt socks. I'd tie them around my knees like knee pads, and I would jump off the ladder in my bed and do headbutts. Yeah, I started at a young age trying to pretend to be a wrestler. Nice. Like, nice. It was in me from a young, young age. I was captivated at a very young age. Like, I watched WrestleMania 2. That was the first big event I watched. And that whole show, I, I only cared about the British Bulldogs, Hulk Hogan, and the football player battle. Royal. <laughs> Dynamite takes that ridiculous bump at to the At the end floor. of that match, oh, my yeah. God. Like, I was just... And ever since then, I've been I've been hooked, dude. It's just it's been a it's been a toward love affair with this business. But I mean, yeah, I love it. I love wrestling. So it's not uncommon. Most of the guests we had on the show, most of them were fans when they were little kids. I was. I had a group of, of buddies in school. There were like five or six of us that were you know from nine nine years old and up, just always were into wrestling. But 
most of them obviously didn't pursue it beyond, you know, them just being fans. So how did you start to find, you know, start looking for ways to become a pro wrestler and, and how did that whole story, who did you end up meeting up with that, that got you on this avenue? Well, actually, the person I met up with was this guy I went to high school with. His name was Don Johnson, ironically. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, his name was Don Johnson. And um, we went to high school together, and we had kind of lost touch over, like, a couple of years. And then one day, random, we were at a random house party. He just comes walking down the basement. And he was like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? You know, we just got to talking and catching up. And he was like, yeah, I got to take off early. I got to go to wrestling practice. And I was like, what do you mean wrestling practice? Like amateur wrestling? He's like, no, like what you see on TV. I was like, dude, can I come with you, dude? I've been trying to find a way to, can I come with you? He's like, yeah. So what I thought was going to be professional wrestling ended up not quite being professional wrestling, but I'm naive. I didn't know. So I walked in and it was WAW. Oh, where the elite compete. compete. Christ. And yeah, I walk into this place that Kosciuszko Park. There's this boxing ring that's hard as God knows what. Well, you don't have to tell me. Oh man, there's this I boxing ring we in there. It. Yeah. That's and that's getting yeah, you kind of leading into my next part of the story here. Um, that's actually the first time I met Mace. Okay. When I walked in that room and I was walking in that ring and I saw him, he was in the ring working out and. Already, I already noticed that. I'm like, damn, for a big dude, he's kind of athletic. So already, I can kind of see just by looking at him, not even really being trained, just the way he was moving in the ring. I'm like, man, for a big dude, he can move. Sure. So my first interaction, I met the promoter, Mr. Arnold St. James Divine. But <laughs> well, what was his real name? Um, what was his real name? Clarence something. Might have changed it to Boddicker. <laughs> Boddicker? It wasn't nope. Clarence Boddicker. No, it wasn't Boddicker. It wasn't Boddicker. Um, yeah, so... Um, he worked for Dick Jones. Yeah, he worked for Dick Jones. <laughs> Dick Jones! Uh, anyway, yeah, no, he um, he asked me to, you know, you know, what can you do? So, basically, the first time I met Mace, he gave me a clothesline, and I took a hell of a bump on the damn ring apron, and just like that, he was like, book it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That show. Not yeah. that exact show, but I've been at that show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> book it. Now, me being not going, being familiar with how getting trained for wrestling works, I'm thinking, okay, this is how it's done. So you, you took know, one bump, and he put you in a match. One bump. I've seen that bump. happen before. Yeah, we're, we were not kidding. We 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 saw that at an REWF show. Yeah. See, it's funny that, like, we actually, I mean, even though it was an old Al Patterson and his cronies, like, we actually tried to, like, do stuff to get, whatever, man. We took a lot of shit for things we shouldn't have taken shit for, is what I'm saying. But anyway, um, so your first match was later that day, or was it, like, the next week? It was or? a couple weeks after okay, that. Okay, okay. It was a couple weeks after that. So, basically, it consisted of me going back to Kosciuszko, kind of just bumping, and then going through match scenario. Like, we basically yeah. would just go and do a match and just to see and like even for me just doing the bullshit in the ring that I knew I already could tell that I was on another level as far as my caring about how my moves were executed sure like I took pride in how everything looked in the ring and I already could tell that even though I was in somewhere where at that time I didn't know what the hell I was doing but I could tell just by looking at everybody else everybody else was kind of in their closet I, I was taking it seriously mm-hmm. The other person, the other person was taking it serious. Mace. Sure. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where we bonded at first when we met there because we could tell, like, okay, we're the only two that's really in here trying to really do something. Right. And then, you know, fast forward, the tragic incident happened. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, was basically, I got told the same thing by my parents that his mates' parents told him, you, if you want to do this, you got to get trained for real. And how old were you at this time? At this time, I was 19 okay. going on 20, I want to say. Okay. I want to say I was... Yeah, I was about 19, one on 20. So we we took one time, we went to a random mid-American show. It was the first time I saw a death match of any kind. It was fucking Peter B. Beautiful oh, getting the shit kicked out of him by Ian Rodden. I mean, Ian Rodden is giving him the business. I mean, whooping his ass. But on top of that, I saw guys like Dysfunction. That was the first time I saw Dysfunction, a young Dysfunction. Yeah, yeah. Colt Cabana, CM Punk, Punk right. Chucky Smooth. I think Ken was just starting out there. Maybe Adam yeah. Pierce. Adam yeah. Pierce. I think Adam Pierce had already started to do other other stuff by that time. Steve Rashid, Jordan. Rashid, you know. Uh, Matt Longtime. I mean, why are you trying to get Steve Jordan over right now? <laughs> I, I, I don't know who that is. That was Juggalo Steve Jordan. Right. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, then you know you had just you know hardcore Craig, all those guys. You know it was just a lot of guys where I just came. I was just impressed. I'm like, okay, now this is real wrestling. Yeah, right. This is how it's supposed to be. And it always was. I mean, that's been Carmine stuff because we started going in ninety. I started going ninety seven, right? Maybe I think just, I saw my first one in '98. Yeah. So yeah. they were out. That was they were the gold standard, right? And yeah. So I saw right there. Okay, I could tell that there was a different level of difference between what I was doing and what they were doing. Right. So I when I went to that show right away, I went and I actually funny story. I actually went up to CM Punk and I actually was like he was really cool about it though. And I just asked, I just told him I was like, dude, like you're really good at this. Like, how do I? get involved, and he's like, well, if you're really serious about it, I was like, I'm a, he was like, I'm from Chicago, so I don't know how they do it here, but, you know, Carmine's right over there, Marler's right over there, so if you want, you can do it, and I, by that time, Mace had already went over there and started talking to Marler, so I had went over there to kind of join him when he started talking to Marler, and then fast forward, he tells us to come, we get there, doesn't have any idea who we are, doesn't remember. Sure. We see Armani. He's in the ring training with Richie. You know, he's doing his thing. He goes, uh, have you guys had a match? And thinking that we've wrestled before, we're thinking, yeah, we're trained. We've had matches, you know, whatever. So we get in. The first thing we do wrong is put on a right-hand headlock. Wait, uh, <laughs> Armani was like, Which is a 45-minute conversation. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because no. that was Gump No, actually, he was actually pretty, like, no, that's not how you put on a headlock. You know what I'm saying? Okay, how many, where, where have you guys And We got to explain where we work. So he kind of did a little, little mini-match with us in the camp, and he kind of was like, okay, you guys know how to listen. You obviously know how to bump. So, guys, if you really want to know how to do this, if you really want to train, you got to get trained, trained. But if you want me to do it, you got to come over to my house and watch tapes. So, went over to the house. We watched him for AAW. I think, uh, 
was it AW and the lacrosse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But got yeah. Eau Claire. Eau Claire. Eau Claire. I want to say yeah. And I saw that man. Me and Mace looked at each other right away, and we were like, yeah, this is the dude we gonna get to train us because he's wrestling in front of 300 pop people. The lighting, everything looked professional. Mm-hmm. You know, man, this is this is what we want. You know, this is how this is what we want to do. We don't want to do this. So, and at that time, that WAW group, they were trying to get restarted, you know, they were vowed to get retrained, and so we got, actually got heat when they found out we were going to get trained for real, like, we actually got heat from the backyard promotion for going to get trained. Well, I figured they would want you guys to pay for the training and come back and help them out. Kind of what they wanted us to do, and Armani told us right away, in no certain terms, if we did that, we would be blackballed, mm-hmm. so we had, we cut all ties, Right, and we were... On the wrestling voice from there, you know, then we started, you know, just training in um, West Bend in Morty's backyard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Right off the highway. Right off the highway. That's where we first started training. Then it transferred to, uh, I forgot. Hang on a second. I can't let you gloss over this. Did you go in the house? (laughs) (laughs) That's a yes. (laughs) That's a yes. Yeah. Oh man, I was hoping to avoid that, but yeah, I was in the house because I love, I love Robin and Mike. They were always, they, they were good to me, even though they ain't never really pay me. But you know, no. they were, they were a good place to learn. But, they're, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I did go in the house and, and notice the urinal in the bathroom and just wonder why there was a urinal in the regular right. house. But right. then I found out <laughs> that it at uh, one point had been uh, a bar. What, what about the invalid granddad? That was. See, I never saw. Him. Okay. They must have had them stashed away somewhere in the attic when we came in. What about the uh, like the Bowflex that doubled as a closet because it had so many clothes on it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because when I went in, they kind of. I don't know how they did, but they kind of ushered me through the like, door. Oh, okay. <laughs> they yeah. like, we going to take you right here to the bathroom. You didn't come right out. Yeah, so okay. I didn't get to see him, but I, oh, did yeah. catch, I did catch the urinal. He got the I, guided tour. Yeah, <laughs> I got the guided tour. So from there, you said you started training after West Bend. You went to... Like, I forgot his name. There's a guy who worked out of Windy City. His name was Chris, but I can't remember his last name. I feel so bad because he was a good guy. Like, we trained in his backyard. Bassett? No. Th- no, not Bassett. No, 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 no. Bassett was Armani would know his name. Armani, if he listen to the show, he got to give me the guy's last name. But, yeah, we trained in his backyard in the old... You guys was old ring. The guy's ring you guys ended up getting. The Rebels Oh, ring. he was the fucking... He was one of the Furies. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. He wrestled under the name Valak for a while. Yeah, I forget his real name now. But yeah, but yeah. That but, ring was bad. Woo, that was stiff. so That was a stiff. I thought that boxer, that one wasn't that much better than that boxing ring. Oh, that's yeah. the one, I think that's the one we all trained. Yeah. Man, that ring was stiff as hell. I mean, damn. Yeah, I remember one time we went to a Mid-America show to kind of, you know, help set up the ring, do a little camp before it, and we thought... That it was going to be the mid-American ring that they normally have. No, they rented that ring. So we out there in a, like, nine Baseball eight. field, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the show that Dark Child got the shit. Yes, yes. Serato. Serato yeah. put the paint off him with him. He was like, dude, he looked like a, a beat-up-ass Larry Bird. I swear yeah. to God, yes. <laughs> Brian and I did the ring rental for that. Yeah, yeah y'all rented. Yeah, that was the show we trained that day in that hot-ass weather. It, it was, was so it was fuck. hot as fuck that day. Armani had us out there fucking doing. But it was so hot that the sweat on our backs we were bumped, and you would see a sweat mark. And by the time you would roll up to hit the rope, the damn sweat had been yeah. dried yeah. up. Did it? 
Did it have at that point? Was it still an actual canvas, or was it the vinyl? Canvas? It was that vinyl it shit. Because that because uh, it got slippery when it got. Yeah, old, and it was got, always outside in the fucking sun. That shit will kill you. <laughs> that shit. You want to talk about paying dues, boy? I always don't know how hard he. Armani trained us rough for that time. That was that was some brutal shit. Cause that wasn't the only time he was always out there when it was hot. Sure. Like it didn't matter if it was hot. We was out there bumping and doing camps and shit. I mean, you guys got it lucky now. Y'all all indoors and shit. <laughs> y'all, yeah. Y'all, facilities y'all, y'all got shit. facilities and shit, man. We had to be outside in the elements, dude. If it was hot as fuck or even if it was a little rainy or whatever, we'd be outside in sweatshirts and hoodies bumping and shit, dude. Like, that's just how it was. So you're going through your training now. You're starting to advance. For When was the decision made to have your first real match? Forgetting about the WAW stuff, right? Yeah. What? First, I think after about six months of us training, our mommy was, okay, you guys are ready. Okay. And our first match was at uh, in Waukesha at the bowling alley at uh, Reuters, or I think. Yeah. Right. That's where our first match was in front of about eight people. <laughs> oh, my. And that's okay. We was wrestling, though. We didn't care. Like, it was, it was the new... Our debut day, we were the New Age Assassins. Okay. And then uh, uh, Marty was like, that sounds a little too huge. We want you guys to you know, be baby faces. So we came up with the New Age Players. So the first version of me and Mace as a tag team was known as the New Age Players. Remember who you were? Um, now known as Matt Winchester for uh, okay. Ring of Honor. Yeah, Dinty Moore. Dinty Moore. And Big Haystacks, guy, rest his Oh, okay. Those, those were our first feuds. Those were our, but the first match we wrestled was Armani and Haystacks against me and Mace. That was our first, first, first match. Okay. And our first, like, tag team kind of thing was with Matt and uh, Haystacks as a tag team. So, I'm trying to remember how it all came. So you, you're doing stuff for Mike Thompson. Yeah. And then from there, did how, I know Armani brought you guys to up. Yeah. And I know Matt Winchester came along because he had come over to do some stuff with Mike Thompson that we did because we needed some filler people, and Matt stuck around with us for a while. But do you remember how, how you came into getting hooked up with us? I remember it was... Because Armani had started running his own shows. That's when he first started experimenting with running his own shows. Yeah. So he was only running them maybe once every six months. At Victory Hall, right? Te- exactly, yeah. at Texas Victory Hall. And we talked. <clears throat> it was, I had wrestled, I think I had wrestled Loudon Payne that night. I apologize. Yeah. Loudon Payne and Mike Mercury. No, it was Loudon Payne and Mike Mercury in the three-way. Was he the there. Ice Cream Man? Yes, he was still doing No, he was superstar Mike Mercury okay. at this point, okay. you know. So after the show, you guys had approached me and Mason mm-hmm. was like, we were interested in working with you guys. Me and Mason kind of looked at each other like, man, these are the, we remember watching, because we used to watch you guys oh on God, public yeah, access. Yeah. <laughs> but then we also watched the, the little mini, what was that promotion that you guys tried to do with the... Damien, was that that Titan Pro? Titan Pro, yeah. Yeah, we watched that and we were like, man, we could we could be with these guys. So like, kind of like when you guys came and hollering us, we was like, oh, okay, we must be doing good because we were heading in that right direction. Because like I said, we we like what we saw on Titan Pro Wrestling. Like when we see that on public access TV, because it did look like the guys knew what the hell they were doing. Yeah. You know, you had guys that actually looked trained. That, so we were like, man, we at least want to wrestle for these guys and stuff. So when we, you guys came to us, we were like, man, that. Cool. Well, Armani helped us out a lot yeah. because he gave us that credibility. Because 
we had we were getting trained, but we were a bunch of no names, right? And then Armani started, you know, helping us and then giving us people that he was working with, right? Yeah. And that gave us that like, you know, hey, here's some an influx of talent that's getting trained by somebody other than Al Patterson or whatever. Um, but then from there, I mean, you went from that. I know you were doing stuff with Mid American. I mean, it just started to take off. Yeah, and then I went to lacrosse, then Mid American, and then um, I had a little personal tragedy happened. You know, I lost my dad. Okay. And that kind of just, I underestimated how much of a toll that would take on me. Sure. You know, I, I tried, like, I still wrestled a little bit after his death, but then it was like the year after he died where I just, it just hit me. Like, I. I like nothing was fun anymore. Wrestling wasn't fun anymore. Going out wasn't fun anymore. Nothing was fun. Was your dad a younger guy? Yeah, he was fifty-one when he passed. Ooh, that is yeah, very young. Yeah, man. I was twenty-one when he passed, so I was still at an age where I kind of still needed my dad. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so, like, yeah, that hit me kind of hard. So I kind of took off for a year. I lived up in Green Bay. I met a young lady, you know, was in a relationship, but then. I was up there, and then she just kept calling me. She being wrestling. Yeah. She just kept calling me. She kept calling me. So after a year of spending up in Green Bay, I ended up coming back. But, you know, in that time with that depression, I got myself into some legal trouble. You know, I had to report to a probation officer. So traveling was an issue. So I couldn't get out and get the bookings that I wouldn't. So I was like, well, if I can't travel and wrestle, I... I, I just might as well just stop. So there was a two-year period where I didn't wrestle, where I was just working in the service industry, where, like, if you work in the service industry, you pretty much know you can't get no weekends. Oh, God, off. yeah. This, this is impossible. So I had to suck it up for two years in the service industry till I could get the cachet to be like, like, I need weekends off so I can wrestle. Right. So around 2003, 2004-ish, I started wrestling more sporadically. I remember you guys had a couple shows we did. You yeah, did we're doing spot shows. Little spot shows, so we did some stuff with you guys for that time, and then we did stuff um, with Morty when he would run eventually, and then... Yeah, because this is where I met you. Yeah, this is where... Because you came to SSW, and I'm going to make it weird for a minute. Great. I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> I make shit weird. So, <clears throat> I had been in the business for a year. And I had never been in a locker room where people got nude before. Oh, God. Here we go. All right? So we're in fucking Allenton. And I go back behind the curtain. Cecil's place, right? Cecil's place. And I went, God damn! And then I left again. Because I wasn't going to get naked. <laughs> and everyone was thankful. <laughs> well, everyone. Not that okay, so that's that's an ox way to like derail. The I like that. They, they you for take, thank you yeah. for taking us off the fucking yeah. rails there with that. Man. <laughs> you killed me with that. Although, although I will, I don't remember what it was, but when in Rebels, when you and J, uh, Jay Real were teaming up, we were the Ebony Express. You were the Ebony Express, but somebody else had a different name for your team just based on. Your endowments. I can't remember what oh, it was, though. What the fuck was it called? I forgot. I was like, oh, that's pretty accurate. I'm pretty sure it was the Baby Arm Express. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it was... Uh... Anyway. So, 304, you're working around again. So now you're <laughs> working around again. I'm kind of sporadic. <laughs> so, SSW, you're doing some stuff with them. Very um, early SSW. Yeah, stuff, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I so, think they were kind of called Fusion at the time, too. No, no. They were not. No, no, they weren't Fusion. That was Jack Spade's promotion. That was actually not mine. So when did you, like, at, beyond that, like, when did you start getting back into the flow? Because I know those roads eventually led you to BCW and uh, mm. some other things. Like, 
you know, how long did it take you to feel like you were back a hundred percent? Took a couple of years. It was like it was it was Kirk. It was Dysfunction who uh, saw me at the last. It was the last Mid American show. I randomly saw that it was the last Mid American show, so I decided just to show up randomly. I showed up, and right away people remembered me. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I thought you know because you know how Russell is. People. You're not a wild, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I walked right up. The lady that took the tech is right like, aren't you Jared the Jackal? I was like, yeah. She was like, well, I was going to, because I was going to pay to get in the show. She was like, no, you don't go right in. And then she was like, Carmine, I'm really happy to see you. And she took me to the back. She's like, hey, Carmine, look who's here. Hey, kid, come on. You know, Carmine, he was real ass. So I was kind of like, oh, wow, people, you know, they still remember me. You know, I must have been a good guy or yeah. had some kind of impact that I haven't been, that people remember me. I'm welcome back in. So, you know, Kurt was happy to see me. So, I ended up going back to Kurt's house that night and talking with him and kicking it with him and Silas and Kurt started talking about how he's doing ICW and how he would like me when he finds something for me, he would like to have me come back or whatever. And it took maybe like a couple shows after that. And then he got a hold of me and was like, yeah, you know, I got this gimmick for you. Not the greatest, but uh, it'll get your foot back in the door. And it was me taming with Rocky Kisses. Oh, and okay. we were kind of uh, suggestively okay, like Billy Wham- Chuck. Yes, good word. Yeah, 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 good boy, good word. So my first gimmick bag, and I think that was just Kurt's little way of testing me to see how bad I really want to come. Right? Back. Do you want to do this or not? Nah, right? yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I made it work. I made it work, and then eventually let me kind of get away from that. But like I said, no, Kurt, that was just his way of. Okay, do you really want to come back, or are you just okay? You right, because why would he invest a great storyline if you're just kicking the tires, right? Exactly. Like, you so know, like, are was... you really gonna buy a car, or are you just test drive? Yeah. Right. So when he saw that I was te- when I was when he saw that I was buying the car, he was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with you. And then he, it was some years of me not really knowing, because like I tried to do in the jackal thing and coming back to that and. People weren't really feeling it like they were back in the early two. This is like the mid two thousand, early two thousand. People were really liking Jared the Jackal, <laughs> you know, the laugh and stuff. Yeah. People like that stuff. And when I tried doing it in mid two thousand, people were like, eh, not so much. So it can It was a lot of years of me just going back to the drawing board, just really trying to find myself. And then in the meantime, me and Mace were like, man, we're not really not people. We were getting booked. But we weren't, they weren't, we weren't being used in any kind of stuff. We were just guys that you book, we dress a match, and we put somebody over, or so and so. So we begged, begged, begged to let us be a tag team. Like just, just use us as a tag. You're not doing nothing with Mace. You're not doing nothing with me. Put us together. And honestly, the first place where we actually got to go and be a team was ACW. Oh. To read the reason when we came back. Was that, that, J- was that Bruno or was that no, was Jason, Jason Jerry. Jerry? That was Jason Jerry. I think Dylan was just getting into kind of getting involved yeah, at, yeah. at that point. Okay. So it was, I think at that time, Colucci had the book and it was Nikki McCoy who had talked to Colucci about. And then Colucci didn't under, know that we were going under a different name, so he didn't know who we were. But then once he saw us, he's like, oh, yeah, I know these guys. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. And so then it kind of, and that was the birth of, like, the UAT. That was when we kind of put everything together. We started 
getting matching gear. You know, we got a couple singlets, but I was like, you know, we should do something more urban. Like, so we went to this place and got them airbrushed. And we kind of started one with the RVD look with the singlets and the airbrush. You know, we came up, I came up with different designs and we just went and got them airbrushed and designs. But after a while, that stuff would start fading. So we would have to get them touched up so much and that started costing a lot of money. So we finally decided to just go and just get some gear. And so I just went to Elucha and ordered us these tights that kind of look like barbed wire. And that kind of right, started evolving our look of, you know, being more of a cohesive tag team and being not just two singles wrestlers, like, we kind of melded together as a team. Gotcha. You guys did the team well for a, a, a good long time. Yeah. And I feel like in that team, Mace kind of found his gimmick. Exactly. And I don't think that you really got your gimmick till he couldn't go anymore. And that's the funny thing about it, because, like, <clears throat> like, I heard you say on Mace's ta- uh, podcast that, like, when you saw us wrestling, you didn't see two people that, were like you didn't see one guy being Marty and one guy being Sean, but in my heart I felt like I was Marty okay. because I could not, for whatever reason, Mace had to ooh ooh ooh, and I just I didn't have Jared the Jackal anymore. I was just Jared Johnson, you know, what I mean? I was just just a guy, and I was just having a hard time finding that new thing. And then it was um, it was Rashid Skullcrusher. Like I had been, you know, I just started working out really hard one time, and he had. You know, I had just sprayed down real good. And he just looked at me. He's like, dude, you cut up like an action figure. Like one of those Jax action figures. Yeah, yeah. And that is, that's how the name Jared Jax came oh, in nice. to be. Like, nice. it's just like, just something that simple like that. And then I kind of thought about it. I was like, wait a minute, Jared Jax. Okay. So that's kind of how 8-Pack came. Right. That's how 8-Pack came. So I was like, okay, I could be an egocentric guy that just always talks yeah. about it. So that kind of gave me somewhere to go with a gimmick. I was like, okay, so now I got something. So then I did the eight-pack thing for a while, and that was kind of, okay, I was known for a guy that had nice abs, and I kind of, okay, then for me, I just, okay, that started getting stale, and then swag, man, just, it just came naturally. Like, I was just, it was SWE. When I started working for SWE, and they finally gave me an outlet to touch a microphone and show that I could cut a promo. Sure. Like, they were the first ones to let me touch them. I got to do commentary. I got to do interviews. I got to do all kind of things that in other promotions that I would beg to do. They got to do it on a limited basis. SW is the first company to let me just go. I'll tell you what. People can shit on SW all they want, but there was a lot of cool shit that came out of that company. There really was. Yeah. I mean, personally, yes, and then just as a whole. But, I mean, I, had, I don't think I had more fun doing wrestling at any time in my life than I did for those few years of doing SWU. It was a it <clears throat> what it was was a comfortable locker room where you could do pretty much whatever the hell you wanted. Like if you were like, I wanna do this today, right? You could do it. And that's that didn't really I that for me that didn't exist sure. prior to that. Sure. It was the first place I got to really show that man if you give me a microphone and some time dude I, I could I could get people going like I like Vic the stick I call Vic the stick a verbal pugilist. I consider myself as well a verbal pugilist. You know I can go on the mic. I'm very like if you wanna like you give me a microphone, you wanna sit out in the audience and talk stuff, be careful because I will roast you. You know what I'm saying? I will roast you. You really missed out Friday. I just want to let you know. What did I miss out on Friday? Oh, man. I went we had an adults with that adults only show. Oh, man. Who's uh, you roast? 
everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I met everybody. Oh, I can see it. He's one of the few people who, if I have to get into a verbal spar match with him, I always have to be like, man, okay, I got to bring my A-plus game because Vic can go. You know, like, I can go through, but Vic, Vic, he's very good at saying these whole monologue things, and then at the punchline at the end, always just, oh, right here in the chest, dude. He gets you. Vic is good, man. I give credit to Red Curtis, dude. Vic is good. I appreciate that. Man, that punchline always gets you at the end. He just be like, oh, man. So I want to ask you about some of the highlights and, and lowlights, but I'll tell you right now, <laughs> the, one of the coolest things for me to be able to witness was to have to see you involved with the end of uh, the last match that Mace had at BCW. Like, okay. they, it, it couldn't have gone any better, right? I mean, what more fitting, right? That, to, that, that, was, that was kind of emotional for me. Uh, I mean, yeah, I man. Well, I was, I was about to ask you because Mace kind of outed you. Yeah. And said you were gonna cry. Uh, you, yeah. you don't have to say that you cried. I I, I should I a little a little misty in the eye. A little, yeah, misty a little dust in, in the air. A little misty in there. There's a little misty in there. I can't even lie. A little misty in there. But misty. but I guess my overall point to that, the reason I bring that up is, it's hard. Like okay, you can just you tell me if you agree or disagree. I've already talked about this, but in this business, you're gonna meet some real pieces of shit. Okay. <laughs> but but. <laughs> If you do it right and you do this long enough, you're going to probably walk away with some of the best friendships, lifelong friendships that, that will last you until you're in the grave, right? And I feel like that's what happened with you and Mace, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, no, definitely. Like, you, you became bro- brothers, essentially brothers, brothers, right? Like, I mean, we, both, we were in each other's weddings, you know. He was in my wedding. I was in his wedding, you know. So, like, we just, we're still close, you know. Matter of fact, probably have to... Before I go back to Milwaukee, I'm going to go holler at him before I leave and go, go back to Madison. So, like, sure. So, that's got to be, like, of everything, you yeah, know. his kids that I consider them, they call me Uncle Jared. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, uh, yeah. That's... So, when I when people tell me, like, you know, well, tell me your greatest match or tell me your greatest moment. My greatest moments are the people I've met that are friends of mine and will be forever, right? Yeah. I mean, the other stuff's ancillary. Like, you want to do good stuff, and you had good things that happened in the ring, and we will talk about them. But to be able to walk away and go, man, I made lifelong friends. Doing something that, at in your case, at six years old, I never dreamed that I was going to be able to do it at that level, right? So Exactly. Like, me and Mace, that's like, like you said, we're like brothers. Like, that's, that's my dude. We'll always be for life. And, like... Having met him through wrestling makes it even cooler. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it wasn't for me just randomly walking in that gym in Kosciuszko Park, you know, I wouldn't have never. Right. And we, if we didn't decide together to go on this journey and be like, look, we're going to be the two that go and not just talk about it. We're going to go out here and get trained, and we're going to go out here and sweat in this heat together. And we're going to beat each other to death, you know what I'm saying, and, and tag with each other and travel together and do all this stuff that, man, it was... It was a fun time, man. I had a blast. Like some of like, like I said, some of my best times and funnest memories are with Mace. Like either wrestling him or tagging with him. Like it was just like that fun. Like it was, it was, it was that, man. It's that shit. <laughs> so, we got four more questions before we go into the hat. The first one is: if we're putting a tape together, and we can only pick one of your matches that you you're recommending, you're telling me, hey, you're putting his best of of all time together. This is the match I want to present. What it match? Absolutely has to be on this tape. Yeah. What is that? Match? What is that match? Ugh. Damn. That's a hard one, man. Cause I'm so critical of my work. I don't think I found it yet. 
Okay. Honestly, I mean, I've done some good stuff. Like, I like a lot of the stuff I've done with Joey Avalon. I love a lot of stuff I've done with Mace. I love a lot of stuff I've done with, like, me and Dredd in the P10s and stuff. Yeah. Like, we've done a lot of stuff with uh, Chase and this. I mean, I'm so critical of my shit. That's, like, I, I haven't found that match that I would just really just be like, uh, now, if I could put on get a good highlight tape and edit some of all my stuff together, I could put together a badass highlight tape of all my stuff. But that one match, sure, it, 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 I'm still looking for it. Okay, that's I'm still fair. looking for it. All right, so now I'm going to take I'm going to take a tape and put together people's moments that they wish that they never had to live through. Oh. Is there a match or oh. a spot? Oh boy! Or a situation that if you could do it all over again, you would have just passed. Uh, ask Vito Tomaselli that question. <laughs> if anybody knows, anybody seen my uh, mishap? I don't know. I think it was about like 2008, 2000. Is like right after that layoff I was talking yeah. about when I, I, I didn't know I kicked that man that hard in the face. <laughs> like, I, I honestly did not know that I. At first, I thought he got his hand up. Everything, man. I got, I pissed him off, and I didn't know why at first until I watched the tape. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. My bad, like you know, shit happens, dude. Like if I could take that back, yeah, that wasn't one of my final moments, dude. Like yeah, so I was a viral sensation before being a viral sensation was cool, and not the viral sensation you would want to be. But hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm still swagglicious, like. Did, how did you guys ever? Yeah, we pat, we me and Vito cool now. Like we talk all the time through Facebook and stuff. Like he'll message me every once in a while on stuff. Like me and Vito cool and stuff. And like when me and this and uh, Jason J, we did, had our little podcast and stuff. Vito came on. He actually apologized to me on air, which he didn't have to do because after watching, I got. At first, I was mad. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what? Uh, like, what the fuck was that about? But then when I saw the tape back, I'm like, oh, okay. He probably thought I was being a fucking dick, and I really wasn't being a dick because I didn't know I had hit him that because I've always prided myself on being safe in the ring. So that was just one of those fluke things that happened. Yeah. That, you were just rusty. I was Exactly. I was just rusty, and I didn't know I hit him that hard. I, like, damn. Yeah, I you, don't, you don't hear a lot of stories about the Thomasellas getting stiffed. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the other question, and we'll all go around the table on this one because as this airs, it's probably very early April. What are some of the things you have going on? We call this what you've been got going on. What do you have coming up for April and early May? Well, all righty then. Really, April, I'm not really that busy as far as wrestling goes in April. Like, April is kind of kind of a down month for me. I got, like, one show with the MKE last show at the Knights. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty much off all of April until... May, and then I got a lot of stuff coming up in May. I got the Milwaukee's Best Tournament. I'll be back in RCCW. I'll be booked all of most of the shows in WPW. So I'll pretty much be concentrating in probably three promotions, the ICW, RCCW, and WPW. Like, I would like to branch out more. Right. But, like, if, if the phone ain't ringing, the promoters ain't calling, you know, I'm just going to work where I'm getting booked. Well, you know yeah, and, and you have and fun I'm, there, and you have good man. Yeah, and I've reached out. It's not like I haven't reached out to people. I've reached out to plenty of promoters, and I've gotten, oh, we really like to work with you, but, you know, we really got a full roster right now, and I totally get that. You know, people got who they have, who they want to work with. They got students. They got trainees. I was just they got to book, say, a lot of you companies. You know what I'm saying? They got their own students, and I get a lot of that, and I understand that. Like, that's why I don't get uber bitter about it because i get it you got a, a, a damn school full of trainees you gotta you know you gotta yeah. give them some ring time so that leaves guys like me 
who are experienced, who are just looking to get in and just, you know, work a couple new places, really not, you know, a lot of room, wiggle room to work with. So I got to get in where I can fit in, you know, but like, I'm always looking to go all the places. I'm always looking to expand myself. There's three companies I work for right now that half of their roster, half their shows are students. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, how do you... I mean, I get it. I get it. I totally understand, though. You want to, like, if those kids are paying to go to school and get trained and stuff, you want to give them, you know, the green time that they, you know, pay. How do you know if they're ready if you don't? If you don't book them. Yeah. What about you? What do you got going on? April got all jacked up. (laughs) Yeah. Because Armani's date changed, and the Legacy show is now... You know, on the fritz. Kind of in the air. So, yeah. Oh, real quick. I don't mean to interrupt. MKE, you said their last show's coming up. Do they have a new building? That I am not aware of. I haven't heard anything yet. I'm hoping. I know they've been they're trying. To of course. Ones, you know, they've been working on it. But I don't know if they've nailed anything down as of yet. Cool. As soon as we know, I'd like to give them some shout-outs. But uh, yeah. if you're in the Milwaukee area on the 12th of April, you should check out the uh, MIAW show, building yeah. up to the Big Crusher uh, Fest, fest. Right. with the statue unveiling, which That's should be awesome in June the summer. June right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, uh, I will be in Lacrosse on the 12th for RCCW, and I will be in Winona, Minnesota on the 13th for RCCW. And then tentatively right now on the 19th or 20th, there's a legacy show, but they don't have a building. So uh, whether or not that happens, it's kind of kind of up in the air. I got the 12th for Armani. I got the 13th for Frank for BCEW. Uh, tentatively legacy. I mean, I, I, and then uh, the 27th for ACW, huge, huge show, uh, Wrestling Con. Uh, John uh, uh, John Morrison will be there. Uh, Mark Henry will be there. Shane Douglas will be there. Gangrel will be there. It's at the uh, Menominee Nation Arena where the Bucks minor league, the D League team plays, and should be a pretty big show. And in May there's a lot. I I can't think too far ahead. My brain fries out. And then I will be exactly where Jack Spade's going to be. <laughs> uh, the two dates in. So sweet. Lacrosse slash Minnesota. Uh, spoiler alert: I won't sleep very well because the sleep machine that keeps them alive runs all fucking night. But uh, yeah, common. also maybe the legacy show if uh, things get announced. By the way, my wife tells me I snore with that on. Uh, I was drunk the other night. I passed. All right. I I I know Winona holds a, a soft spot in, in my heart as well. Um, but I won't be there this year. Yeah, one owner Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryder, damn near killed her. Hell. So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash The Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So now before we get into the hat, your first time on the show. We're going to subject you to a, to a question you're going to have to answer. Oh, now, shit. next time you come on the show, you'll be a second-time guest, and you won't have to re- rehash Yeah, I can have a little more fun now. Yeah. yeah. So this question, it was one that was submitted to us, and we had to painstakingly answer it on the air. So now everybody has to answer it. If you were, which you're not, because I've 
I've I've heard stories of the legendary Jared Jack. So I know. <laughs> yeah, so a long time ago, before I was married. Uh, well, before way, I was married, yeah, way, way. 2000, yeah, like, early 2000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this baby is early. Yeah, the legend, legend lives, and the legend is long. And <laughs> and now he's happily married. So I know that you are the furthest thing from 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 gay you could be. If you were though, is there a man <laughs> that you find like you look at like you look at and go, oh, Yeah, that's yeah. a good looking dude, right? Like oh, you can say that. Yeah. Like, so for me, my guy's like Justin Timberlake. I'm like, dude, it's like he can sing, he can act. Thank you for Justin Timberlake guy. Yeah, you know, he can dancing? sing, he can yeah. act. Like, man, he's a good looking dude, right? Like, you know. He's got that sweet little Jewish afro on the top of his head. Yeah, I don't know, you know. Um, you're Matthew McConaughey guy, yep. Vic. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, Matthew McConaughey. He's, he's cool. Yeah. Age appropriate. All right. I'll tell you what, Jared Jacks. If Ryan Reynolds were here, oh, here we go. what oh, I man. would do was I would quickly prepare myself. See, I would grease up this microphone. And use it to stretch myself to point of preparation. Okay. All right. Easy. Okay. All right. All right. That. <laughs> so, so the point is, is there is there a, a, a famous person out there that you look at? Like, ah, that's a good looking dude. You know. Oh yeah. my. That's what it would sound like. That's probably yeah, what it would sound like. like. So who would you, who would be your your? Guy? Oh man, y'all gonna. Oh man, dog, y'all gonna make a motherfucker answer this question for real? Yeah, Zach yeah. McGuire said it was Danny Trejo. Did oh, he? He did. He did. That you was want real. a machete? Oh, right. yeah. Okay, machete. if I had to, it'll be uh, Idris Elba. There you go. Oh, yeah. that's a that's good cool. one. Yeah. See, we've pulled the band. We've heard that one before. We have. So he's, us he's broken the streak though, because usually the answer you get is The Rock. Yeah, no, that's. I, I, I just saw something with him on Netflix that was pretty funny. That he has a show called Turn Up Charlie or whatever. Yeah. Where he's like an aging old disc jockey that's just tweeting. It's funny, so okay. Yeah, see, we're good. That, see, it's not this harmless. You can yeah. to move on. Okay, you're our guest. we got that out of the way. All right. So it. you All get right. to pull it now. This hat has some weird shit in there. But yeah, it's got you know some what? cool stuff. Maybe in I it. should go get my fedora. I don't like the way that's looking. That's, that's looking a little. It's a little shady. It's barely been used. It's barely, uh, all right. They it. stick together. I write like a four-year-old. They stick together. Is there poster 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 oh, I was going to say, so, what you been doing? Yeah, and, he, uh, and then he folds them so the sticky stick. side sticks, and then you got to try to like... Hold on, I don't want to cheat. I don't want to be able to... All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Just dig in there. Let's see what we get. You might be able to talk about it. You might not be able to talk about it. Yeah, hopefully it's... Uh, right, I got the eyes closed. I'm going to open it up. All right. If it says guaranteed bank, that's what the post-it note says. So, Buddy Rose. What the Playboy? Playboy, Playboy Buddy, Buddy Rose. Rose. I, like, I like Playboy Buddy Rose. Blow it off, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blow it off, Blow away, blow away, yeah. yeah. I'm to lose the weight, I'll blow it away. Yeah, that was a fat motherfucker that could work. Man, yeah. Good. So the first time I saw Buddy, now I know he was big in Portland, but I didn't see any Portland. He was big everywhere. <laughs> My first time seeing Buddy Rose was on a regular basis. I think he was at one of the WrestleManias as a jobber. But yeah, the first one, yeah. under a hood, he lost yeah. to Tito. Oh, he was the executioner. Yeah. Yes, he was. Was him and the ugliest man in wrestling, Pretty Doug, Boy, Doug, Pretty Doug, Boy Doug Summers. And they were teaming up, and they had the, the match with the Rockers. Oh, the blood bag yeah. with the Rockers, yeah. And then Cherry Martel was managing them. Yep. That was the first time I, I had seen Buddy Rose. And again, 
He was at first when I saw him on my TV, like you know, as a teen, I'm like, what's he doing? I'm like, what's he doing in that wrestling ring? He doesn't belong there. Um, and then I realized it was the same company that also employed Jack or uh, Jerry Blackwell. So you yeah. know, I suppose. But um, he was, yeah. He then you see him work, like, yeah, okay. He, he could take that one bump over the top, and geez, man, like for a big dude, that's not an easy bump to take. No, he take actually like had this. Uh, to me, it was the more impressive bump, where he would get bumped between the middle and the bottom rope, and he would hook his feet, feet and get on the, and then he would take the bump, bump on the bump back of his head. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing that bump a couple times. Not fun, but. I've done it. I've done the old Buddy Rose. I like the Playboy. I like, I like the, the whole uh, yeah. I getting that. announced as uh, 280 yeah, yeah, yeah. and then corrected into 218. Yeah. It's good stuff. Fuck him. Whoa. 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 Hey. whoa. All right. He's dead, you know. <laughs> yeah, your turn. You also, who you gave four is over. <laughs> I think you got two, didn't you? I think I do. Yeah, you got two. All right, what do we got? I've got... Uh, what Taco Bell does to the human body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, man. Certainly, it certainly molecularly changes you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, there's some of this. All right, here's the thing. Taco Bell wasn't as bad for your body when they had the Bell beef. Now, did you invent that? It was before. I did not invent it. That was before my time. But you yeah, all think I did. Shit. Google that shit. Nobody no, no, before you no, beat no. me right it's to it. You beat thing. me right. I was just about to pick up my phone. Tell, so, tell Jared what it was. When I was a kid, we had a Taco Bell in our neighborhood. I was like eight, nine years old. And I was dumb at the time. I'm eight. So I'm like, Mom, I'm not eating no tacos. It's too spicy. Well, what they did was they had a, a burger. Hold on. Wait they a had second. a bun. And they would put the taco meat. That old on black little lawless. <laughs> they put the taco meat and the cheese and the tomatoes on a bun, so it was like a taco on a bun, and it was called the bell beefer. We're talking about the bell beefer, but uh, Buck, can you hear me? All right. The question we just pulled out of the hat, and I figured I'd ask you because you have firsthand experience from that science experiment you pulled while dating Monica. Uh, <laughs> What uh, what effect does eating Taco Bell have on the human body? Uh, am I sitting on people or no? <laughs> well, I mean, well, I we're you, talking about you. Did you top shelf someone? Did, what did, what did, are we talking did, about? Glass bottom boat ride? Or anything right here? Nothing, motherfucker. My body's in perfectly fit condition. Yeah, you had to go to fucking jail to get it that way. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank All right, you. Bye. 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 Well, the whiskey, he's been on a whiskey Taco Bell and Marlboro diet. Jumped the hanging right. up on him because I was gonna ask him where the best Taco Bell was, so we could all yell at the mall. Emma, <laughs> right. Emma. <laughs> what you got? What you got? Okay, see, I feel like okay, I, like... <laughs> I should have put this on our retrospect 
audio, along with being banned from RCCW. Yeah. Grease 2. Oh, <laughs> come on. That has been in there. Oh, account. man. So, oh, I like that. Don't worry about it. We watched the whole thing first and did commentary on it. It's the better Grease. It's not. No, it is not. We've established established our opinions on Grease 2. But I'm not going to talk about Grease 2 again because we actually did a whole episode. But there's one fresh opinion on Grease 2. I I think we know he doesn't like it. There's actually better grease on my engine outside. (laughs) I used to put better grease in my hair. There you go. First of all, I'm going to give you three reasons why Grease 2 is better. Right. I thought we Michelle were done Fyfer. with Grease 2. I ain't talking to him. Okay, I know Michelle Pfeiffer's one. Okay, Fyfer. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> the fact that they had a, they almost had sex in a bomb shelter. <laughs> they, wait, no, they almost raped a woman in a bomb, in a in a bomb, bomb shelter. shelter. You can't trick a woman into fucking you. That's hey, not in 1959, how... you cut. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying I can't. To all the ladies that. out there listening to the show, this comments of Scott, how shots no, got Williams no. on to him and him only. No, we know that <laughs> I don't. No, 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 no. We know. We know that I don't back. support that. However, <laughs> it's stuff like that that started the Me Too movement 50 years later. In 1959. If you could get a buddy to pull that alarm. Yeah. First of all. <laughs> That movie was made in like 1958. You got you killed. It's got to be close to an hour. Yeah. Oh, we're we're close. We've been over. I battled for like at least a before. I've been up all night. Def Jeff or Vanilla Ice? Okay. Oh. I don't know who the other one is. So hey. Def Jeff is money. Okay. <laughs> he put Shaq's record on on on, on vinyl. <laughs> Def Jeff on on on, on Shaq Fu and Shaq Diesel. Shaq is first of all. We already know that Shaq is the best. Athlete rapper ever. <laughs> I'll give you that, cause Shaq, but that Black Rain album was pretty fucking yeah. good. See? Yeah, see, I ain't gonna lie. Oh. I, I, the Black Rain album was pretty. I'm not doing good. this again. And, and Def Jeff produced it. Uh, of course he did. He was deaf. <laughs> not that deaf. Oh. He could hear. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you meant like, like, you you like Jam Records. Yeah. Yeah, like as a Adidas suit, like an old school Adidas suit. Like you know what I'm mean? saying? It was Def Jeff Records. Yeah. Yeah, even that uh, song. Um, you know what? I'm going to take Vanilla Ice. And here's why. why. Nobody's paying to hear anything from Def Jeff today. But you can go see Vanilla Ice on tour right Wait now. Wait a minute. You don't know that because you don't know everything Def Jeff produced. What else has Def Jeff done other than the Shack record? I don't have internet. <laughs> but see. Look it up while we talk. The story you're telling me is Def Jeff was a producer. Where Vanilla well, he did Ice some rapping too. No, he did some rapping, but then he let, let me tell you something. Anybody who knows the entertainment industry knows performers live here, producers live up here. So maybe fame wasn't what he wanted. He wanted that money. Nothing wrong with All that. Right. Well, mark me down for Jazzy Jeff. Well, okay. So he released two two albums. Yeah. All right. His uh his '89 album was just a poet with a soul. Yeah, that's all right. right. That's about right. Yeah. And then he uh, sounds crap. Dad. He released. 
He was a member of the West Coast Rap All-Stars who released the anti-violence single, We're All in the Same Game. Oh, I I was thinking of the the first one. Uh, He performed on In Living Color in 90. Yeah, I remember that song. His second album, Soul Food, was released. He then went into production full-time. Yeah. And he worked with Nas, Snoop Doggy Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kimberly Locke, Maxwell, Avant... Tupac Shakur uh-huh. and Shaquille O'Neal. That's oh. the last name. I'm thinking Def Jeff. Yeah, he getting all them royalty money. Yeah. I'm thinking Def Jeff. I'm sorry. I'm thinking yeah. Def Jeff. Okay, but did he ever rap about Ninja Turtles? <laughs> he preferred. <laughs> he has worked with Crazy Bone and okay. Thugline Records, uh-huh. and he produced the theme songs for the Disney sitcom That's So Raven. Yeah. His, the game. his credibility just hit the shitter. <laughs> the last three things he said was Shaquille O'Neal, That's So Raven, and something else. Crazy about me. Crazy about uh, The game was from Disney. Okay. Yeah. Look, he's a man of the people. He's diversified his portfolio. What's wrong with that? And his bonds. I'm just saying, man. Def Jeff, again, a guy who is probably living large. Because I take that money. Jeff Jeff money over that Vanilla Ice money. Because right. if he got all the, if he produced all them people, he get all that royalty yeah. money. If Vanilla Ice had that kind of money, he wouldn't be going out on the road. Or he wouldn't tell be that going to the Eagles. Suge Knight almost killed Vanilla Ice. Yeah, Suge Knight almost killed a lot. Listen, of the, the best thing Suge Knight almost did was kill Vanilla Ice. All right. Well, if you had to put Shaq Fu versus Krav Maga. What do you think's going on? Shaq, well, Shaq Fu's a great martial art, but Krav Maga is the best of the martial arts. Krav Maga is that shit, man. It is that shit. Yeah. Fuck Isaac. <laughs> Are we done? Are We're we done. done. That's it. I'm enjoying my donut. Great. All right. Well, we'd love to have you back. I'd love to come back. It's and fun. We, next time we can jump into that hat and we can pull out like seven, eight topics. But... I hope you had a good time. I, I did. I had fun. I blabbered a little bit, but hey. That's, that's, what, what, that's what you're that's supposed what you to do. do. We want to find out about you. That's that's the show. If we didn't want our guests to tell us who they were, we wouldn't have guests. Right. We'd just talk. All the time. I want to thank you for bringing some energy today because sometimes that's a burden around here. Hey, man, I'll try to bring the energy. I that's mean, what? not for us, but no, no. I guess well, who was who was, the, who was our least enthusiastic? Al Jackson. No, Al Jackson was bringing it. Yeah, man. He was selling tapes. If yeah. I could record it, maybe I'd have been cool with it. Do you remember Al Jackson? Because he, when you joined with us, he was gone, but he was working down for Randy Rich. And also a time or two for Carmine as Alan Jackson. Yeah. Country but, music superstar. Ah, that Alan <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, or a mouthpiece. Listen. I, I, I want to say yeah, but I can't push you to face uh, at all. I can't. Well, he's a, he's a good dude. The day the show dropped on Grapple Talk, he sold six tapes in the first hour. That's yeah, right. straight from his trunk, man. He had all that shit. Well, we're going to... Produced by Def Jeff. We should have <laughs> We should have talked about this in our 50th anniversary show, or 50th uh, uh, commemorative show, not anniversary show, about who are our best and worst guests were. Listen, I like Al. He's a great guy, but I couldn't hear no, 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 a fucking no, no, no. word he said. That's what about now because Al's episode. not it. But we had had a guest that was terrible. Ooh, We're not gonna out, out him, out him, out him, out him. I wanna know, I wanna know. If it ain't low country, it ain't awful. All right. Come on, tell he me. He was pretty bad. Who's he? I think it was David Triggs. So I'm just gonna. Oh. Whoa! Whoa! Oh, Skyler Reed. Wow. Again, nice guy. <laughs> Didn't bring the energy. 
And I just had this conversation with Chris Black because I saw that they interviewed him. It's not that he's not interested. It's just that that's who he is. He's a reserved guy. Okay. He's not a in-your-face, get-excited-about-things. He's just, he's going to think, he's going to give you a well-thought-out answer, but it's going to come out like you're talking to your accountant. <laughs> Let me tell you something, dude. I like David Triggs, okay? I if know. you got a problem with that, I don't want to hear like it, brother. Triggs. Okay? So, let's just admit that we all like David Triggs, and he was okay on the show, all right, Jack? <laughs> don't do this right now. What's happening? You don't want to know. <laughs> what is he doing? Don't do it. No, I think. But sometime, David Trees is going to run wild on you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> okay? All right. Well, we're going to end it on this. I will give a public service announcement, though. Wrestlers should uh, try to not date people that are 25 years younger than them. Oh! For, um, <laughs> for the rest of the people on his panel, Jiggy Jack Spade. That last comment was not from Jack Spade. Is it okay, Jack? <laughs> Is it okay if you're a DJ? Vic the Stick Ross. Oh, God. Hey, what Jack. the hell are y'all trying to do to me? I'm gone. Hey, y'all we'll see you next week. Y'all done got me. Y'all done give me all kind of heat now.